Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Crude oil prices surged on Thursday on fears of an escalation of tensions between the U.S. and Iran. Brussels says Russian sources mounted a disinformation effort during last month's EU parliament elections, and attention in the UK leadership stakes turns to the second round after Boris Johnson emerged as the frontrunner to be Britain's next prime minister. Plus, the Women's World Cup has kicked off in France. The FT's Shona Jenkins explains why 2019 could be a pivotal year for women's football. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The price of Brent crude oil jumped as much as 4.5% on Thursday, as the U.S. blamed Iran for attacks in the Gulf of Oman that damaged two oil tankers. While prices eased back from their highs, the oil benchmark still ended the day up 2.2% at more than $61 a barrel. One of the damaged tankers was Japanese-owned, and the other belonged to a Norwegian group. As of Thursday night, no one had claimed responsibility for the attacks. But U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo singled out Iran. Iran is lashing out because the regime wants our successful maximum pressure campaign lifted. No economic sanctions entitle the Islamic Republic to attack innocent civilians, disrupt global oil markets, and engage in nuclear blackmail. But a spokesperson for the Iranian mission to the UN said it rejected the claim that it was responsible for the attacks. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe had been meeting with Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, when reports of the attack first came out. Mr. Abe's visit was aimed at easing tensions between Washington and Tehran. Last year, President Trump withdrew the U.S. from an Obama-era nuclear agreement with Iran. Since then, the U.S. has imposed stiff sanctions. After meeting with Mr. Abe on Thursday, Mr. Khamenei ruled out any talks with the U.S. Mr. Trump tweeted he felt it was too soon to think about making a deal, saying, quote, they are not ready and neither are we. Russian sources mounted a continued and sustained disinformation effort to suppress turnout and influence voter preferences in last month's EU parliament elections. That's according to an initial review conducted by officials in Brussels. The report, which is due to be published today, doesn't draw conclusions about who is behind the disinformation. It also doesn't spell out how the efforts were coordinated, but it does say that polls faced wide-ranging attempts to mislead voters. The analysis found that social media companies fell short in tackling the activity, despite improving in some areas. The report warned that companies risked regulation if they failed to do better. The Russian government has consistently denied efforts to manipulate elections. And Boris Johnson has taken a step towards becoming the UK prime minister. The former foreign secretary and mayor of London stole the show yesterday. He won the support of 114 Tory MPs from across the Brexit divide in yesterday's first round of voting in the UK leadership contest. Mr. Johnson swept the field, polling more votes than the next three candidates combined. Now, the race turns to who will secure enough votes in the second round to potentially challenge Mr. Johnson's lead. Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt came in second with 43 votes, 
and Environment Secretary Michael Gove secured 37 votes. Candidates needed a minimum of 16 votes to stay in the race. The next round of voting among MPs will take place next Tuesday. Candidates will need 32 supporters to stay in the race. And here's a closer look at a story you might want to know more about. The FIFA Women's World Cup is underway in France, and the FT's Shona Jenkins argues that 2019 could be a big moment for women's football, or soccer, as we like to call it here in the U.S. The month-long tournament is expected to reach a billion viewers worldwide. And this year, $30 million of prize money will be shared among the 24 national teams. That's twice as much as what was offered in 2015. It's just a fraction of the purse the men's team took home last year. But... This World Cup is seen by many as a pivotal moment. Shona is a UK news editor at the FT. Interest in the game has grown tremendously. The progress, however, is pretty uneven. I think in the US, soccer is played by girls. It's very widespread, and it's a woman's sport almost more than a man's sport, um, well, depending on who you speak to. In the U.S., there's a very, very strong team. Um, in other countries, it's been more uneven. Yeah, so why is there such an uneven development between a country like the U.S. and, say, England? Well, I mean, some would say here, particularly in England, the, the scene isn't struggling, but it has historically. But in the last three or four years, there's been a concerted effort to develop the game, there's been a lot more funding put in that the actual football association has been subsidizing a lot more heavily. And it's aiming to double the number of women and girls playing across all levels to about 6 million by 2020. There's a big ambition there. And here in, the, in England also, they've just finished the first season of the first fully professional women's football league, the WSL, which has done very well. Again, it's about increasing investment and increasing visibility of the game to attract viewers on television, to attract people to the actual matches and increase match day attendances, and also to help the sustainability of the game. How's the change being reflected in things like corporate sponsorship? There's definitely been an uptick in sponsorship deals. Here in England, for instance, we've had Barclays Bank has just made a £10 million deal with the Women's Super League, the professional league. The credit card Visa has also had a seven-year sponsorship agreement with uh, UEFA, the European Football Association. They also have made a commitment to match their budgets for the World Cup with the Men's World Cup last year for marketing. It still lags behind the men's game considerably, but it's kind of chicken and egg. Until you get the attendances up and you get the viewing numbers, This obviously it's not a profit-making enterprise for sponsors. But you're also seeing brands wanting to associate with women's sports because not so much for its money-making prospects, but also for the fact that it's got a kind of story to tell and it's about burnishing your credentials, um, showing that you're behind equal opportunity. There's, there's lots of different reasons that people are sponsoring. The U.S. women's team filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation, alleging they were paid considerably less than the men's national team. 
people have raised the question of a pay gap, a gender pay gap in the sport. But a lot of people would argue that, yes, there is a gender pay gap, but there's also an income gap from the sport. There's a controversy and there's a debate raging over whether women should be paid the same amount. There are some teams here in the UK that uh, there's at least one I can think of, Lewis FC, which is not one of the top teams, both for men or for women, and it pays its men and women the same, but it's not going to be a huge amount. So for at the moment in here in England and in a lot of other cities, particularly in Europe, the men's teams have got women's teams associated with them and are essentially subsidizing them. So there's an argument from their point of view saying, well, why should we pay the same? We're not getting the same out of them, out of the sport. On the other hand, you know, there's a signal to be made that you should play. And particularly for national teams, right? In the US women's team is much more successful. And so it's quite ironic that they are having to file a discrimination lawsuit about equal pay and working conditions as they go into a World Cup that they are the favorite to win. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our intern is Eileen Rodriguez. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.